Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Before we start this episode, I wanted to let you know about a really exciting four-part series that's coming later this month. I've teamed up with fellow podcast host and investor, Algie Smith-Maxwell, who's been buying funds professionally for over three decades. In our bonus series, I'll pick Algie's brains on everything to do with funds, including how to build a fund portfolio, how to sort the wheat from the chaff when it comes to picking active funds, and when to call time on a fund by hitting the sell button. You'll be able to listen right here every Tuesday from the 27th of February. We hope you'll join us then, and please do spread the word particularly to those you know who are thinking about investing but don't know where to start, as we'll help break down those barriers and hopefully help set them off on the right foot ahead of this side of the new tax year. But back to today, where I'm joined by Lee Wilde, Head of Equity Strategy at Interact Investor, to discuss how investors can generate £10,000 of income from investments in 2024. For a number of years now, we've been running free hypothetical portfolios that aim to deliver £10,000 of income over a one-year period. There's a fund portfolio, an investment trust portfolio, which I oversee, and there's a share portfolio that Lee looks after. Lee, before we get into discussing how the portfolios fared in 2023 and then chat through the respective lineups for 2024, I thought a good place to start would be to get across to listeners that these hypothetical portfolios are for information purposes and should be used in conjunction with wider research. Yeah, absolutely, Carl. I mean, we set them up over 10 years ago now, and the idea has always been to show that you can just generate higher levels of income through direct investing. So by picking your own investments, I mean, you can adjust your approach and investments that you pick to meet your own uh, income objectives. You know, we generated annual dividend income way in excess of returns on cash and uh, you know, even in recent years when savings accounts have been more generous. Let's move on to how the respective portfolios fared in 2023. I'll kick off. I'll go through funds first. Now, the thing with open-ended funds to bear in mind is the funds are required to distribute all of the income generated by the fund over a particular year. Therefore, if there's an income shortage, as there was during the recent COVID-19 pandemic, when scores of companies cut their dividends or suspended or cancelled, then a dividend cut is pretty much inevitable for funds as there's less income checks being written, if you like. So with the fund portfolio in 2023, I picked 12 funds aiming to deliver £10,000 of annual income in that year. And those 12 funds, collectively, the the portfolio yielded 4.55%. That meant that you needed a sum of 225,000 to try and deliver that target. Now, the income target, I'm pleased to say it was achieved. £10,139 of income was generated. Overall, when combining both capital and income returns, so the total return of the portfolio, that worked out as a percentage total return of 6.9%. Now, of course, you could have got higher returns last year on, like, for instance, America's NASDAQ tech index. You know, it had a fantastic year. It returned over 50%. I think a couple of European indices performed really well as well, you know, returned around 20%. And, of course, the FTSE 100's total return was 7.9%. But, you know, I'm not comparing the performance against any of those indices because 
the ultimate main aim is delivering that £10,000 of income and trying to keep the sort of capital return in positive territory as well, which both those two things were achieved. In terms of um, the portfolio itself, I'll just very quickly run through a couple of the main winners and losers. Of course, on ii.co.uk, you can see a full rundown of performance and uh, more detail. In terms of the 12 funds, so two of the 12 made a loss, and those two funds were FTF Clearbridge Global Infrastructure and VT Gravis Clean Energy Income. They were down 2.6% and 13.6% respectively. Now, the big reason why those two funds didn't do too well last year was because of rising interest rates. Those rising interest rates have had the effect of increasing the return on safer assets, such as cash and bonds, including gilts. And given that there's a higher level of income on offer from low-risk areas, investors moved to take advantage of that, and they reduced exposure to income alternatives, such as infrastructure, which are higher up the risk spectrum compared to the likes of cash and gilts. In terms of the winners, 10 of the funds, 10 of the 12, um, made positive returns. Most of the funds beat their respective sector averages over the past year. Um, the UK choices performed particularly well, particularly Janice Henderson, UK Responsible Income, and Man GLG Income. They were up 13.2% and 12.1%. It was also pleasing to see that the two bond choices had a good year. Um, in particular, it was a strong final two months of the year for Jupiter Strategic Bond and Royal London Global Bond Opportunities. In the final two months of the year, bond prices rallied amid expectations that interest rates would be cut in 2024. Bond fund returns, they come from two sources, price changes and interest earned. And due to the high yields on offer from bonds in response to interest rate rises, fund managers can generate more income. So that's been the other key part of the equation that's been driving total returns for bond funds. Let's now move on to the share portfolio, Lee. How did it fare in 2023? Well, in terms of income, Carl, pretty well. Yeah, objective achieved. So over the year, my 10 stocks generated £10,660 of income for a yield of 6.8%. But there was a capital loss. Uh, so that... Uh, £10,660 cost £158,000 in terms of the investing, what was originally invested in the portfolio. But I ended the year with just over 147000 So that was a decline of 6.7%. So total return was 0.1%. So uh, yeah, there were some big dividends in there. The likes of Legal in General, British American Tobacco and M&G all delivered the goods in terms of income. There was only one company, Sylvania Platinum, that missed its income objective by, a, I say, a wide margin, but it was one of the more speculative plays, one of the two speculative stocks in the uh, the 10-stock portfolio. And so I invested uh, much less in that anyway. And the actual capital loss was less than that, or, or it missed the income target by less than £100. So uh, that wasn't a problem. Diversified Energy Company. Now, that accounted for almost two-thirds of the uh, the lost capital. So in, in my portfolio every year, I normally set aside two places for more speculative companies, more speculative income plays. And Sylvania Platinum was one of them, and Diversified Energy was the, uh, the other. Now, Diversified had been in the portfolio for three consecutive years. It's uh, strong free cash flow means that, that regular and various very generous dividends are paid. So it yielded 12.6% 
in 2023. Uh, the previous years, it's yielded 9%, over 9%, a few years before that, slightly less. But it's always been a very, very generous dividend player and pretty reliable. Understandably, however, alarm bells are ringing loud at the moment and free cash flow is still pretty impressive, but the payout does look vulnerable. The shares have come down since the end of this portfolio. Spoiler alert, Diversify doesn't make the uh, 2024 portfolio it currently yields around 30 percent so it seems an irresponsible and unnecessary risk for this year's portfolio so it won't be in it but though that sort of speculative story really stands out the rest of them yeah i can't have any grumbles with with a lot of them they did the job in terms of income uh, we just sort of lost a bit of ground on on the capital side and in terms of the investment trust portfolio, it also delivered the £10,000 income objective. Now, with the investment trust portfolio, it has a slightly higher yield than the fund portfolio, meaning that you needed to have invested £215,000 last year versus £225,000 for the fund portfolio. In terms of overall total returns, the investment trust choices delivered 4.6%. So that was below the return of 6.9% for funds. However, in terms of the income being generated, Investment Trust came out on top. They brought in 11,178 versus 10,139 for the fund portfolio. Now, with the Investment Trust structure, I do think if you want a consistent level of income, it really does have the edge over open-ended funds. This is because investment trusts are allowed to squirrel away 15% of the income generated by the underlying holdings each year. This goes into a so-called rainy day reserve fund. And then if you have a lean period, as we did during the pandemic and also, of course, during the global financial crisis, investment trust boards can dip into those reserves to keep income flowing during those more testing periods. Now, in terms of how the investment trusts performed. There were two investment trusts that were in the red and they were Balanced Commercial Property and BlackRock World Mining. They declined by 12.5% and 10.4% in 2023. Now for the property fund, the higher interest rate backdrop has of course been a headwind. It's the same sort of story with the infrastructure funds. Given the fact that you can pick up yields of around 5% in the likes of gilt and also money market funds. Investors have been going to those safer areas and things like property, which is just a bit higher up the risk spectrum, have been negatively impacted by that. BlackRock World Mining has also been suffering from rate rises, but it's also been having the headwind of China's economy not delivering the rebound many expected last year following the reversal of its COVID-19 restrictions. And that has also been a headwind for commodity demand. In terms of moving on to the rest of the portfolio, the biggest contributor to returns, up 22.6% in 2023, was JP Morgan Global Growth and Income. So this investment trust, it adopts a total return approach in aiming to outperform the MSCI All Country World Index over the long term. In second place was a 24 Income. This is a bond investment trust. It was up 17.9%. As noted when I picked this investment trust last year, a lot of its holdings are in floating rate bonds, which benefit from interest rate rises, which played into both the income return and the overall total return last year. 
And in third place was Utilico Emerging Markets. It gained 14% in 2023. It wasn't a great year overall for the typical global emerging market funds, which returns for the year were around flat. But as mentioned, this investment trust invests very differently from peers as it focuses on predominantly the um, infrastructure and utility companies across the emerging markets. And overall for the investment trust portfolio in 2023, there were 12 choices made, eight made money, four made a loss. I've already mentioned uh, the two biggest losses. The other two that made smaller losses were Diverse Income Trust and Henderson International Income. But obviously the other eight holdings that made money, they more than made up for the fact that four of them were in the red in 2023. So let's now move on to the respective lineups for 2023 for each of the hypothetical portfolios. I'll kick off with Investment Trust, given I've just given a a run-through of how that portfolio fared in 2023. When I had a look at the portfolio, I wanted to avoid making too many changes, as you know, I wanted my investments that were originally picked for the medium to long term. However, a few key things that I watch out for are whether the fund manager has changed, whether the fund manager is sticking to his or her knitting in terms of the investment objective and investment style of the fund or investment trust, and whether performance has soured on the back of too many poor stock selection decisions. I also want to ensure that most of the funds or investment trusts in each portfolio, that they appear in either Interactive Investors Super 60 or Ace 40 lists of investment ideas. Those lists are made up of funds endorsed by Interactive Investor with the daycare of the lists handled by Morningstar's Manager Selection Services Group. In terms of investment trusts, I made two changes to the portfolio and those two changes were removing Murray International and BlackRock World Mining. So the reason why I've removed Murray International is because the decision was taken for that investment trust to no longer be in the Super 60 list. Bruce Stout, who's been the long-standing manager of that investment trust, he is retiring in June and the fund will going forward be managed by a couple of his colleagues he's been working with for a long time. But the decision was taken for that investment trust to be removed from the Super 60 list, which led me to remove the uh, Murray International from the investment trust portfolio. The other one that's been removed is BlackRock World Mining. Now, the reason why I've removed BlackRock World Mining is because I am concerned about the sustainability of its dividend yield, which is currently 7.4%. Its dividend policy is not progressive, and that also gives me some cause for concern. And if that 7.4% yield is not achieved, then that obviously make it harder for the £10,000 income challenge to be met in 2024. I noticed in the six-month period to the end of June last year, the trust noted in its... um, half-yearly report that there have been dividend reductions from many mining companies. And in addition, in its most recent update, which was the end of last year, it said that mining companies have low levels of debt, continue to retain capital to shareholders, but appear to be entering a higher capital expenditure phase. That last bit of the sentence gave me cause for concern that the mining dividend boom of the past couple of years has now run its course. So instead, I'd sooner focus my attention on other areas of the portfolio where I think income is more predictable and more reliable. 
So those are the two removals. The other 10 investment trusts that I chose in 2023, they've all been retained. And as mentioned, there's a lot more information provided in the written article on the Interactive Investor website. Just to run through the names of the investment trusts chosen. So I picked four UK equity income investment trusts. They've all got weightings of 10%. And they are City of London, Merchants Trust, JP Morgan Claverhouse and Diverse Income. I picked three investment trusts in the Global Overseas Income category. I've opted for JP Morgan Global Growth and Income, and I've given that a 15% weighting because I think it provides a really good balance between capital and income growth. And then the other two have 10% weightings, which are Henderson International Income and Utilico Emerging Markets. And then for the rest of the portfolio, I've got 10% in bonds through 24 income. There's 10% in Greencoat UK Wind, which is a specialist choice. And the other specialist choice is Balanced Commercial Property, which has a 5% weighting. Of course, it could continue to be a tricky period for property-related investments. But as mentioned, I'm looking to pick investment trusts for the medium term. And I do think having some exposure to property gives additional diversification benefits in a portfolio. So overall, the dividend yield for the portfolio is just over 5.2%, which means you need 195,000 to try and deliver 10,000 pounds of income from this investment trust portfolio in 2024. Now moving on to the share portfolio, Lee. And I know that you've actually got a lower initial sum than I have for either portfolio. So could you also talk us through that? Yeah, sure, Carl. The 10 I'm going with this year, it's uh, we're investing 163000 for a prospective dividend yield of 6.2%. That will give us about £10,098 annual income, all things being well. Now, since launch, I've always set aside a couple of places in the portfolio for, for more, some more speculative income plays as diversified energy company last year as i explained earlier 12.6 percent yield and um, sylvania platinum as well had a very generous yield i invested slightly less but then with that extra risk gives you these sort of bumper rewards in terms of income it doesn't always go well on the um on, on the capital side so while that was fun last year in terms of income i'm not comfortable with that that capital risk so i'm doing away with two speculative spots this year so we're sticking with the FTSE 350 because there there's also some some decent dividends and decent diversification available in the 350 and I don't see anything really that I like particularly outside of that so look I'll, I'll run through uh, this 2024 portfolio lineup so uh, um, Lloyd's banking I mean last year the shares last year's portfolio the shares were down about 19 percent but it's avoided major shocks unlike some of its contemporaries so and the shares have spent really the past three years trading between 40 and 50p for the most part. And there's little to suggest really that they're going to be worth significantly less in 12 months time in my view. So uh, worth locking in a 6.6% yield. That's what we've done this year. Secondly, GSK uh, diversified into the uh, defensive pharma sector. It's only a modest yield, 3.7%, but I'm confident in the business this year. Uh, National Grid, that comes in in place of SSE. SSE rebased its dividend, which kicks in this year. So I'm switching out to, to National Grid, a defensive stock which offers an inflation-linked dividend and attractive yield. It's 5.7%. So Sainsbury's, there isn't really much to choose between Sainsbury's and Tesco's in terms of share price performance, but Sainsbury's has a better yield, so it, it gets the nod. And again, did well last year. Legal in general, that, that sits near, a, well, the shares are at an 11-month high, near enough. 
uh, and offer an 8% yield. So they've outperformed Aviva both in terms of share price and dividend, albeit marginally, but um, I'm sticking with LNG uh, in 2024. Taylor Wimpy now switched into Taylor Wimpy out of Persimmon the year before. So, it, I mean, it did well in 23 and the payouts deemed safer than the, uh, the house builder uh, peers. That's because its dividend policy is not based on earnings cover targets. So, uh, yeah, out, out, out of the lot of them, Taylor Wimpy gets the nod. So the prospective yield there is 6.2%. Rio Tinto. Now, Rio, we haven't had a miner in there for a little while. So Rio's back. It offers diversification and promises generous returns for shareholders through the cycle. So, uh, yeah, we're on, uh, what, 6.5%, I think. So that's uh, it gets the nod. M&G, I mean, it's been in the uh, the portfolio now for a few years, and it's a great example of a company that consistently generates a very attractive you know, high yield. We're at the moment, what are we, 9.4% as prospective yield for this portfolio. It's been a steady share price performer the past few years, and uh, yeah, one of the best blue chip yields around, so uh, hard, to, hard to kick M&G out, I'm afraid, so it's been good to us. And hopefully it will continue to be so. BAT, while it, it keeps generating the yields, the, the share price has just been in, in permanent decline. Imperial brands, yeah, clearly the same sector, some of the same issues, but the decline has been more modest. And there's been a divergence uh, in, in recent months. So uh, Imperial, for me, gets the uh, gets the nod. The uh, yield on that is about 8%. You know, BAT had written down the value of its uh, acquired US cigarette brands by $25 billion, So that doesn't help. Well, it makes my decision easier anyway. So Imperial Brands in for BAT. Uh, and finally, Morgan Advanced Materials. So Morgan hasn't, it's a company I, I know about, I've known about for years. It yields over 4%, offers exposure to industrials. And that's something that we haven't had in the portfolio for a while. So uh, it makes advanced carbon and, and ceramic materials, the sort of things used in wind farms and, uh, and plane engines. So uh, it's got a generous dividend, 4.4% prospective yields, well covered by earnings. Haven't invested quite as much in this one as I have in some of the others, but I still expect a, an annual income from Morgan Advanced Materials of over £500. So it's a, it's a good contributor. As the old stock market saying says, you know, two views make a market. And, you know, with the investment trust portfolio, I've took out BlackRock World Mining and you've added Rio. So I think it'll be interesting in a year's time to see if the dividends held up with both of those. I was listening, Carl, and I noticed that as well. It's a... Uh, yeah, it is. It, it, it makes things fun, makes things interesting. Rio, I, I kicked Rio out for the same reasons as you mentioned, either last year or the year before. It used to have a, a very high yield and then mainly down to special, not mainly, but a contributor with special dividends. Now, those special dividends, um, we aren't going to see those special dividends um, this year, but the uh, the ordinary payout at 6.5% seems attractive. But that's Rio. It's, it's not the same across the, across the sector, and there are risks. Moving on to the £10,000 fund portfolio. So as mentioned, I didn't want to make too many changes unless necessary. Now, in this portfolio, there's been two removals and two new entrants. So let's go for the removals first. So Morgan Stanley Global Brands, that is no longer in this portfolio. This is because it's been removed from the Super 60 list in the recent annual review. The reasons for its exit from the Super 60 list were on the grounds of its derivatives overlay. So this overlay, it artificially boosts the income that's being generated in exchange for some upside on capital growth. And the decision was taken that this strategy is seen as being less effective in a high-yielding environment. So that led me to call it a day. The other one that I've removed 
is VT Gravis Clean Energy Income. As I mentioned, that was one of the two funds that made quite a sizable loss for the portfolio in 2023. Now, it's still a member of Interact Investors' sustainable list, the ACE40. So, you know, it's still regarded as a very good fund. But the reason why I've removed that one is because I've spotted an opportunity in a lower risk fund that has a decent yield, which gives me more predictability in terms of the income that that fund has been generating. So that addition is the Royal London Short-Term Money Market Fund. Now, money market funds, they are on the very low risk end of the risk spectrum. What these funds do is they invest in very low risk bonds that are due to mature soon, normally in under a year. As a result, investors can earn income on their cash with minimal risk. Now, of course, if interest rates are cut, the yield on money market funds will also decrease. However, I think even if there are interest rate cuts in 2024, any reductions will be small and gradual. And we're certainly not going back to the days of interest rates being 0.5% or lower. So the Royal London Short-Term Money Market Fund has a yield of 5.3%. In contrast, the VT Gravis Clean Energy Income, its yield is 5.8%. And I just don't think the difference between the two is enough for me to take higher risk with the VT Gravis Clean Energy Income Fund, which is why I've offered, which is why I've opted for the Royal London Short-Term Money Market Fund. Um, in order to replace the Morgan Stanley uh, Global Fund, I found it quite hard to find a global equity income fund that had a decent dividend yield. Um, the median dividend yield for the global equity income sector is 2.6%. Um, and obviously, for the purpose of this portfolio, I don't want to overreach for yield, but also at the same time, I want the you know initial investment amount to be you know, ideally as low as, as as practically possible to deliver both income and also keep the capital growing as well. So I've went for a passive strategy, which is the Vanguard FTSE All World High Dividend Yield ETF. It has a yield of 3.5%. It tracks the up and down movements of around 1,850 large and mid-cap stocks that have higher than average dividend yields. And the charges, um, as you would hope for a passive fund, they are reasonable at 0.29% a year. So overall, with those two new entrants and two exits, there's still 12 funds, as was the case in 2023. The portfolio yields just over 4.5%, meaning that 230000 is required to try and attempt the £10,000 income challenge in 2024. And just to run through the names of the rest of the portfolio, so in the UK equity income sector, I've chosen Vanguard FTSE UK equity income, which is a passive strategy, and Janice Henderson UK responsible income. They both have 10% weightings. I've also opted for Artemis income and Man GLG income. They have 5% weightings. Then for global overseas income, I've got 10% in Fidelity Global Dividend. It has a relatively low yield, but it also aims for both capital growth and income growth, and it's quite a defensive portfolio. So I think it's an important part of the portfolio to give the portfolio resilience. 10% is in Vanguard FTSE All World High Dividend Yield ETF, which I've just mentioned. 5% is in Guinness Asian Equity Income. 
15% is in Artemis monthly distribution. And then the rest of the portfolio, 25% is now in bonds. 10% weighting goes to Jupiter Strategic Bond. 10% goes to Royal London Global Bond Opportunities. 5% goes to Royal London Short-Term Money Market. And the final 5% goes to the Clearbridge Global Infrastructure Income. So that's a run-through of all three of the hypothetical portfolios for 2024. To finish off, Lee, I was wondering if you could run through your top tips and tricks for investors that are looking to you know, deliver a regular income stream out of their portfolios. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more things that I've learned over the past sort of 10 years of, of running this portfolio. Uh, and, and there are a couple of things that have worked well. I mean, first and most obvious is diversification. I can't stress this often enough. So taking the, the best income opportunities from a wide range of sectors, I think has been a key um, reason for the portfolio's success. I mean, I've, I've regularly spread the, the portfolio across oil, house builders, insurers, miners, pharma, banks, tobacco, utilities. And again, with the um, with the approach to risk as well, as I explained earlier, I've toyed with the two speculative options and the the eight more sort of safer income options but then this year i've decided not to go with those two riskier uh, options so yeah diversification and, and as, as we've seen with the uh you know, not in these income portfolios necessarily but in, in portfolios more generally that you know, with the magnificent seven and the, and the u.s tech stocks doing what they did last year and i mean if anybody needed any evidence that uh, diversification works that was it but back to the income portfolios the other thing is really learning how to sort of manage risk uh, and decide what level of risk you're comfortable with i mean i've been comfortable investing in, as i explained a few very high yield stocks in the knowledge that more reliable returns are going to be made elsewhere in the sector so I've, uh, again mng has been in the portfolio for the past five years the shares have done well generated annual income dividend income of over nine percent the past two years but I'd say just be sensible with the amounts you invest in high yield. Now, we're lucky enough in the UK to have these tobacco stocks and uh, and uh, some of these finance companies offering these knockout yields, yields that you'd have raised an eyebrow at a few years ago. Now, now we, we sort of we accept them and they do keep delivering. Just be sensible with those amounts. But uh, you know, I'm also never investing a disproportionate amount in in these nine percent yielders, even large cap stocks, really, and with the small cap plays. I've invested quite a bit less because of that increased uh, risk. But as with this year, I, if I, I've not found any speculative high yields that I'm I'm comfortable with, so I've reduced the risk. Uh, but even then, I've still managed to achieve a prospective yield of six point two percent. Completely agree, Lee. You know, diversification—it sounds boring, and we go on about it a lot. But the reason why we do is because it is so important to reduce risk in a given year. You know, some investments will perform well, others less so. And hopefully it's the ones that, that do perform well will make up for the ones that have not performed as well over a short time period. I think more people now are diversifying their portfolios, um, but I still think more people need to, to give it serious consideration. And um, final thought for me is that I think it's important to not overthink how frequently dividends are paid. I think you should never pick an investment just based on when it is paying that income in a particular month or of a year. I think, you know, especially in the case of funds and investment trusts, most nowadays, you know, they pay quarterly or twice a year. So I think it makes it a lot easier for people to manually spread the income that's being generated into regular payments throughout the years. There are monthly income funds out there, and there's a lot more of them now than there was 10 years ago. 
But one thing to bear in mind with monthly income funds is that most of them either have a multi-asset approach or just invest in bonds. There's not many that just invest in shares. One of those is actually in the hypothetical fund portfolio, manage LG income, but there's not that many competitors to it. My thanks to Lee, and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions, and tell us what you like to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.